when you look back at like the awareness piece of you, right? And you being able to just kind of navigate navigate with limited awareness. Like how do you describe your ex that experience of just being like, you know, I wasn't aware, but you know, things were working out. God he always looked down for me. So, and I believe I was at that level in my life. I was 21, 22. Mm. So how heavy or serious are you at the age of 21, 22? You mm. only see the good side of everything because I had a very limited experience of life. So this is me walking you through me going through experiences and becoming more wise mm -hmm. and becoming more aware and becoming understanding of certain things. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing because I can see why people like being around young people. Because yes. we're lighthearted. Mm -hmm. There's nothing heavy there. Everything is great. We just see through rose-colored glasses, and that was the time of my life in that given moment. So I know that you'll agree, enjoying myself while at work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on. So I want to invite you guys to Sidebar ATL here in Atlanta, Georgia. Sidebar, on top of the good food and live music, they have three different experiences. That means you can join me in the garden room, in the gold room if you want to try the top of the line hookah and they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. So it's the perfect mix if you're here on business or you want to blow off some steam after work you can meet me at Sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam. So check us out 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta or you can call 678-800-0741. Let's get it work and play at the same time. Right? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and I have Miss Akila Shabazz in the room. Now, for those of you guys who don't know Akila, she is the reason why. See, I, I watch it from a distance and I love it, right? Because you got this finance side of you, but you also have this yogi side of you, right? And Miss Cash Flows, it's like, I don't know what the, what the like um, development of the name was, but I think it flows in terms of like the word. So I would love for us to dig into all of those things as it relates to self-discovery, self-actualization, your career transitions, and all of that. So without further ado, I could gush on you all day, but I'll let you introduce yourself to the folks. Hi everyone, beautiful people. My name is Akila and I am a financial consultant. So what I do is I help entrepreneurs establish and build business credit and also obtain funding. And I help them come up with a plan, a real economic plan and a financial plan for themselves and for their business. Nice, short and sweet. Now, when you say that, right, my mind goes, okay, we as a people, we need financial stability. We need financial education. And a lot of us, like, I remember when I wanted to, to like study wealth management and I was like, oh, it's gonna take me too long to like go and learn what I need to learn on the golf course, take it back to my people. And so I, did, I went a whole different path. How did you get to a place where you are now, um, one, confident enough and ready to take the information and help other people create a plan? So actually, it's really strange. It's something that I've always done. So my background is in real estate, right? So I, let's go all the way back. All the way back. <laughs> So I was a network analyst for a lot of years. That was what I took up in undergrad. I was on the uh, mobile side, um, the okay. cellular phone side industry okay. of, of things. So I had worked for a company called Cellular One. I'm dating myself. Do you know who Cellular One is? I don't. <laughs> 
wish I could be like, I know that one, girl. They were kind of like the first people who came out with like mobile phones and stuff like that. So I don't want to really get going to that history, right? But AT&T ended up buying them out okay. and I was still working for AT&T. Um, so I, I was set. So they paid for me to go to college. Um, I went all the way up to one credit shy of getting my master's degree. Wow. And I was a network analyst for many, many years. I never aspired to be an entrepreneur. Um, 2007 hit, um, got laid off. Um, but the beauty of that thing was, of that layoff was, I le walked away with 50 something thousand dollars in severance pay, as well as I was really close to buying my first condo, because mm. I was a young, very young professional. I was in my early 20s, and they gave us a year's heads up on the layoff. How amazing is that? Wow. It was literally a week before I was about to move forward in my condo. Mm -hmm. So um, they were like, hey, you know, on this day you will be laid off. I'll never forget. It was September 2007. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. So my mind shifted at that point. Now my life is going into a tailspin because not fully understanding the crash but that was the actual crash that everyone talks about. Gotcha. So we're like, you know, what's going on? You know, what's happening? It was like the economy is going bad. A lot of companies are laying off. So I'm like, well, I need to do something and make something happen with this 50K. Yeah. So I house hacked, but I didn't get it right away. So I found the building that I wanted. It was a three unit with a basement. Okay. I found it in 2008. It took me into 2009, until 2009 in order to close on it. Because okay. unbeknownst to me, I wasn't aware that the banks weren't, well, I found out that the banks weren't giving money out. Oh, because of the crash. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you the way you start the story, you said, I didn't, you know, unbeknownst to me, this is the crash that everyone was talking about, but you were in your early 20s. So much like a lot of us, we don't know what's going on technically in the world. Exactly. But you run in place, nonetheless. Right. And you're like, why are you not giving me any money? <laughs> They're like, we don't have any, sis, or none to give to you, right? But here's the weird part, right? So when I look back at it, now that I'm telling the story, I was my agent's only client. Wow. And she kind of cultivated me and she walked me through the entire process and she would like teach me and I had all these questions. Mm -hmm. And the reason I had a lot of questions because the environment I came from, no one owned anything. No one was in a position to advise me. Mm -hmm. She was the only person I could trust. Not my mother, not my father. I didn't have any family members, no one to reference. So here it is, she's spending all this time with me. I'm like her only deal. They didn't say, like, we're not going to give you the money for the property. They just prolonged it. And they put 48 conditions on my file. What is like? What are some of the conditions? I don't even know. It was that. very petty. Like, say, for instance, like, uh, see, your process 2016, the economy was great. Mm -hmm. You probably went through your um, home housing process. Super smooth. So an, a condition would be, hey, we need two years of... Um, two years of um, income tax. You know what, hey, give us another one. A, tell her to write a statement and let us know what happened in five years ago when she had this late fee, or hey, those are conditions. Got you. So we were in, well, she was in shock, because this is my first home. She was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this in my life. They gave you 48 conditions. So everyone was shocked, or really they just were 
prolonging the process. Okay, so I, I'm trying to understand though, like 48 conditions all on one thing and they're from um, showing statements to like giving letters and stuff over the course of time, but like, and it took a year, but what are some of the... Really, they were trying, they were stalling. Right. Because they, they didn't have any money to fund because they weren't clear to fund. See, mm -hmm. during the crash, they shut everything down. Mm -hmm. Banks stopped giving loans. But rather than tell me like, hey, we're not giving loans right now, they're like, hey, you're approved with these conditions. Wow. So pretty much they were Just giving you the stalling. run around. Mm -hmm. it, it, I eventually closed though. Um, I closed, it was literally a year later. Did you do all the 48 things? Yeah, we did. It just took a year to get it done. No, it didn't. Um, it was just other things that just kept coming up for excuses and they kept, so when you had, you know, like when you get a closed date, mm -hmm. they'll just say, hey, it's been extended. It's been extended. It's been extended. That's been what extended. was happening. So it didn't start with 48 conditions. It was like, no, it started with 48 conditions. And then it, we resolved the conditions. And as we resolved the conditions, they just kept extending it out, extending it that out, is extending the close date out. Oh my God, how frustrating that could be. Yeah. Now, number one, good on you for like running the play initially. It sucks that they, it took a, a year um, to like get closed, but to, to backtrack a little bit, they gave you, so your job gave you a year head notice, up. right? Yeah, they did. And you left with $50,000. Yeah, so I'm right. leaving a little bit out. So I was laid off in 07. Okay. I was laid off for two years. So me using my W-2 income in order to get my property, I started with a new company called U.S. Cellular. Okay. So now I'm back in the workforce. Okay. Right. So during, um, I think I went to U.S. Cellular in 08. And that's when I was like, hey, I have a job. Let's find, let's look for a building. But 08 was the crash year. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay, now <laughs> listen. It's still good that you were unaware, because otherwise you might have been scared, making all kinds. Everyone kind of was telling me no, Ariel. Yeah. yeah. Everyone. They were like, "Are you crazy? Like, what? People's homes are going under foreclosure. You know, this, that, and the other." And I'm like, "But it just made sense to me." So even though I wasn't an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Even though I never owned property before and no one was in my circle of influence that owned property in my immediate circle, it just made sense. I felt like, hey, I can live in one of these apartments. I didn't even officially understand what a house hack was. I just understood that I can stay in one of these apartments. Mm -hmm. All I need is one tenant to cover the mortgage and I could live free. It was me protecting myself from not being, if I were laid off, I would be, have at least have a place to stay. Right. So it made sense. And the other two units were profit. So everyone was telling me, no, don't get it. I'm like, this makes sense. So before the crash, my property was close to 600K. Brand new, Ariel. This is a brand new brick stone building in Chicago mm. in an up and coming area. So it just made sense. And it dropped. Do you want to know what the price? How much it did you buy to? it for? $260,000. That is unheard of in Chicago to walk into a three unit building. Do you still own it now? No, I sold that thing, girl. That's <laughs> why I told you you're still emotionally attached. Yeah, because you're like, I should sell it. Well, yeah. see, yeah, because <laughs> like you said, 
there aren't very many people that I've like had strategic conversations about it with. And then also, I'm still trying to understand the the move between so one cellular. Did I get that right? Cellular, and then there's US. Um, phone company. Yeah. So it was um, you can say AT and T. Okay. And then the other one was US. US cellular. So, US cellular. When it comes to like um, getting your home, so the first you were laid off of the first one. Yeah. And then you got the second one so that you can show the W two finances. Yes. But there was a part of your story where you said that you were one week off from closing on your house. Was that U.S. Cellular or was that like a another home from the first job? No. Okay, so I'm making a, a ton of money. I'm making like $45 an hour. Okay. Like I'm living the dream. So who's thinking about entrepreneurship? Who's thinking about anything, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm someone that went to school, worked very hard. The first, well, the second person in my family to graduate outside of my mother. So, you know, I'm in the prime of my life. So I'm like, hey, this, see, this is the thing. During before the actual crash happened, everyone was advertising real estate really heavily. Okay. And so it was like, hey, we're developing all these new communities. So, you know, I'm young and they were advertising like to people like me, fresh out of college, early 20s, hey, get a swanky condo. South Loop is the up and coming thing. So I would drive, you know, and I'd be like, oh, I want one of those condos. So I went to see what girl real estate was being sold everywhere. Okay. Now that I think about it, mm. that was my thought. Even though I didn't know anyone who owned anything, it was being pumped into you everywhere you went. Mm -hmm. So I go and see a condo girl it's overlooking the lakefront, girl overpriced. Again, I don't know these things. So it's like a two bedroom condo for like close to 400K. Sheesh. Exactly. This is how, this is and why. And this is back in 2007. This is why the crash happened. Gotcha. Ariel, okay. this is why. Mm -hmm. Everything was overinflated, like kind of-ish like now. Okay. Yeah, so the prices just drove up. So at some point, real estate has to drop back down, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know any of these things. So I actually signed the initial contract and I had 30 days, I, I just thought about this as you asked me this question, I had 30 days to get out of it. Literally, when I went in and they told us that we were being laid off, it was yes. literally like four or five days before I had the right to get my earnest money back. Okay. So I put $5,000 down. So you? I got my money back because I was it. able to cancel the contract. Got that it. was the biggest blessing too. Wow, because you were about to lock in to an On agreement. a $400,000 condo, so my story would, would have been very differently. Absolutely. I would have not been able to sustain, because I was laid off for like close to two years before I got my next job. Yeah, if I were to extrapolate, you know, while we're here thinking about your story, I think that, like you said, it, your path would have been completely different. And because you're in real estate, I have to ask you so oh, that you I'm can kind of real estate anymore. You were though, yeah. <laughs> and so, like when I ask you ask this question, I'm thinking, okay, you let's say let's say you didn't um, get the um, earnest money back, right? So you find out a year before the actual layoff happened, you would have been stuck into this home. You would have been getting your like income right for another year, but you would have been stuck in this home when you. Um, when you basically let let were let go, my condo would have been underwater. It wouldn't have been worth anything because instantly after that doomsday, mm -hmm. instantly everything dropped down. Yes, yes, yes. And so now you can't even like you said sell underwater. it. I wouldn't have been able to get any loans against it. It would have been a liability, not an asset. Wow. In my opinion, homes and 
personal stuff. Now, you have the opportunity to turn a condo into an asset. I'll talk about that as well, because that's what I ended up doing, getting into the Airbnb space. Mm -hmm. um, that's when you're turning it into an asset. Got it. But just having it, living in the condo, anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. So as, a, as it relates to like the year before, and I think I understand enough, but now, how are you preparing for your exit now that you know that you're a year out? Um, did you know you were gonna get 50K when you left? Yes. Okay. Um, so when they gave us our speech on, um, it was a lawyer there and it was our manager. Right, and the lawyer was there with the paper. I don't know if you've ever been laid off before. I have not, <laughs> but I hear. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, was, it was quite disheartening. Yeah, that little letter, I, I've seen many, yeah. Yeah, and so, but it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, because here's, here's the thing. We were unioned. They only had the right to give us a 30 days heads up, but they gave us a whole year heads up. That was the best company I ever worked for, I, I must say. Um, it, it was diverse, mm -hmm. like seriously diverse. Mm -hmm. You could go to different departments. That's how I literally excelled to the network department as an engineer before I even got my degree. That's beautiful. Yeah. When you were in the, that role, um, what did you envision? Like, because you were straight corporate at the time. What, what did you envision as the like the definition of success back then? I felt like. I was successful. Um, I felt like, because I wasn't as great with money then, I, even though I was making like close to $45 an hour, I felt like I wasn't making enough money because I used to be a shopaholic because mm -hmm. I just didn't know any better. So you were the definition of success. Had you had a vision of like what type of role you wanted next? Actually, no, and it was weird because I was the youngest person like on my team and I was in a, a male dominated like environment. So the men I was working with on my team, they used to treat me like I was their daughter or, and they would groom me. They was like, Akila, like you're really sharp. Like, I can't believe you're here, you know, at this age, you know, like at some point you're going to hit a glass ceiling. Okay. And I didn't know what they meant, right? But when I went to US Cellular, I found out what that um, glass ceiling was. What did it feel like? It didn't, it, it was a very subtle racism. Mm. And so a friend that I had met at a gym who had moved to Chicago from Kentucky, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm from Chicago. So racism is very subtle, but I was oblivious to it because here it is, I was working in corporate America, all my 20s, all these different ethnicities, all, you know, technology is very diverse mm. but when I got to US Cellular I was the only black woman there like it, you can literally look but at the time I still didn't get it it was one Asian guy it was me and it was one African guy it was an engineering building it was US Cellular's en engineering building mm -hmm. and they had 380 something employees and that was the only color but I still didn't get it um, so when I got there, the security guard, I'll never forget, I ran into him because in technology, if anyone's in technology, we used to do these software, these monthly software upgrades. Mm -hmm. Like everyone from the engineering team would come there and we'll do these iterations of, and it'll be an overnight thing. So everyone from all different various departments are there overnight, it's just one night. And we're on conference calls and everything. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like almost a month into being hired. So 
the security guy, he sees me and he's like, he was a black guy and he was like, wow, they hired you. And I was like, what do you mean? This is my first understanding to what environment I had stepped into. And I'm telling you this story is because this is what actually led me into entrepreneurship. So I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, when you came in that morning, he said, I thought you were lost, that you were looking for directions. He said, I was shocked that you were being interviewed, number one. He said, and number two, I'm shocked they hired you. He said, you're the first black person I even seen come in on an interview mm -hmm. for the five years I've been here. And I looked, I had no words. Because I'm someone at this point had never really experienced like true racism or I, I was unaware. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. You said that, that this experience is what kind of leads you to entrepreneurship, but I'm really curious about like, you mentioned this a couple of times, the awareness, right? Like the awareness of the, the market crashing, the awareness of like the environment being like predominantly white, um, even like the awareness of like the your your um, colleagues previously like pouring into you and being like yeah. you're gonna hit a white uh, um, a glass ceiling. You're like what? What when you look back at like the awareness piece of you, right? And you being able to just kind of navigate navigate with limited awareness. Like how do you describe? your that experience of just being like you know i wasn't aware but you know things were working out god he always looked down for me so and i believe i was at that level in my life i was 21 22. Mm. so how heavy or serious are you at the age of 21 22 everything is is everything is great you mm. only see the good side of everything because i had a very limited experience of life so this is me walking you through me going through experiences and becoming more wise mm -hmm. and becoming more aware and becoming um, understanding of certain things. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing because I can see why people like being around young people because yes. we're lighthearted. Mm -hmm. There's nothing heavy there. Everything is great. We just see through rose colored glasses and that was the time of my life in that given moment. Yeah. Are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now I told you about the morning meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now here's the thing. If you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app and I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community, we have a book club and it's the largest group that meets every single day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get a head start on entrepreneurship. So if you're still trying to grow, you don't know what your business is going to be, but you know you want to be an entrepreneur, this is the community for you. So check out the morning meetup, click the link below, download the app and join us today. So this conversation with the security guard was like a bring, you know, bringing you to awareness. But what was the first situation in this environment now that I'm thinking about, okay, you're in it now. So when I got there, actually, uh, let me speak a little bit before. So when I got there and we had a team meeting and I saw all white people, it was a culture shock. Because mm. here it is, I'm in technology and I come from AT&T, fresh out of college with Indians, Asians, Africans, Ukrainian, people from all over the world into a room where I was the only black person. That's yeah. when I was like, this is strange. Yeah. 
That's odd. This was before the security guard asked, yes. started asking me. So you have already, at the point where he brings it up to you, you've been like, hmm. I, yeah, I said, this is odd. And mm. I ran into a one black woman who came from a different department in the restroom. And she was like, there's not many of us here. Mm-hmm. And I was right like, mm-hmm. okay. That's when it was like, okay, you know, all right, whatever. I'm here, I'm working here, and that's it. So other people from the industry, because a lot of us had gotten laid off from AT&T, so of course we're still friends. And all of them were saying the same thing, like, wait, because we were all laid off at the same time, so we would keep up with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, how's it going? And I'm like, you know, I got hired at U.S. Cellular. So actually, that environment, I was it was a precursor. They were like, they called you on an interview? I was like, yeah. And then the security guard was like, they hired you? And then I saw the environment. I was like, okay, okay. But it didn't really affect me because I was in my own little department Mm -hmm. because I'm on the engineering team. Mm -hmm. I worked in a data center. Um, I worked with a small team. Um, So I wasn't affected, right? Until I was, yeah. until I was um, applying for an upper position. Mm-hmm. And um, they just wouldn't hire me and they would not get back to me on the reason why. Okay. So they, yeah. So you became a, so you became aware. Remember they said, um, you know, you're not gonna hit a white, you're not gonna hit the glass ceiling un- until you did here. So I'm assuming this is that experience, right? Yes. When you're going through this experience, one, who told you or what gave you the inclination to like apply? Were you thinking, okay, I, I want this next step or was your manager like, you know, I think it's time for you to move up. How did you like start to think, okay, I want to apply to a higher level position? What was next level at that point? Okay. So I'm, I was in a position for three years. Okay. Yeah, so the opportunity came available. I was more than qualified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, okay, let me take on this new opportunity. And you have to think that the previous environment I was in, we had free freedom. There was no stopping you. Anything you wanted to do or you felt as though you wanted to try out. They even had a program, like say for instance, if I wanted to learn coding, I could go working for AT&T at the time, Mm -hmm. I could have gone into the coding team for six weeks and shadowed them. So this is the environment I was in. Yes. So that's to answer your question with the unawareness is like, I'm free to do what I want. Like who's thinking anything negative? Racism, what racism? Right? Um, So you have to think this is my second major job. Yeah. So I come from an environment like that to an environment like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, it's time for me to go to level three. Right, because I'm on a level two team. Mm-hmm. So now I was applying for level three. Level three did more specialized things and it was just a natural progression. Yeah, yeah. They just, they accepted my application. Okay, they accepted it. The, the, when you read the policy, they're supposed to get back to you within six weeks and give you a reason to why you weren't hired and some of the things you can do in order to achieve that goal that you may or may not have. Okay. They never got back to me. Okay. And my manager escalating it, escalating it, escalating it. 
nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came from it. So your was your manager like a, the only support you had during this time? You said your manager was escalating or you were escalating it to your manager? Yeah, and had them escalated up and had them escalated up. Gotcha. And it still was like no response. Did you feel like you had any allies during that time? No. No one? Not, not a one. Kind, not a... Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was young. Um, it was a lot of older white men. Um, again, I'm the youngest person mm-hmm. and I'm also, but here's the thing. Um, they gave me enough rank and they, it, it even went as far as them taking my ideas as their own, my manager. Mm-hmm. I didn't even go there, but yeah, it was like, I would pose an idea and they would shoot it down. And literally, Ariel, we would get in front of the big boss in the meeting to like implement a thing, and he would take my ideas as his own. So, in in this time, and, and I'm so there with you because like I've had like my wise counsel would say your job is just to make your boss look good, and so there have been times I'm like, yo, I presented that, or I should have been presented that, and I feel like it was snatched away. I'm fired up, but I'm still trying to talk to people about it how are you surviving or how are you figuring out how to navigate like obviously within the company no allies and then also like when when it comes to your family who or how are you navigating like through this tension are you just keeping it all inside well i'm the most successful person in my family at the time i was responsible for taking care of my mom and my sister and my brother and my son Mm -hmm. um my dad was sort of like not sort of, he was, like someone I would go to for counsel. Um, And thank God, because my mom, she was more emotional, right? And it was just so much advice she could give. And then me working around men, I needed a logical, linear type of uh, practical advice at the time that made sense that wouldn't, A, get me fired, (laughs) right? Mm Because it's like, what, what do you do? I accepted it. I had to. Mm. Well, what was my other option? You didn't see any? There was not at the time. Mm-hmm. With my limited experience in life and my limited support, um, it wasn't like I had anyone to go to who could relate. It was other uh, colleagues from my previous jobs, you know, but they were like, you know, it, this is just the corporate American way. Right. This is that glass ceiling I was talking about, Akila. Yeah. So as you're coming into the realization that there is a glass ceiling, right? And like you said, you accepted it. You had to accept it, one, for your sanity, two, because you felt like you didn't necessarily have options. And then you're also reaching out to your dad for logical options to navigate. Like, he can help you navigate this place because at least he's a man. He's got some perspective, right? So when, when did your, like, when did that moment of clarity happen where you're like, you know what? I do have another option. They laid me off and uh-huh. I got another $28,000. <laughs> so it was a blessing. So not only am I on one property, I, you know, I ran out and got a second one. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I was like, I'm done with corporate. No, I, no, I take that back. I did something called, I became a consultant. So I consulted for a few companies, but the projects were ending like abruptly. Now I'm still sitting on this cash and now I have two properties. And what did it for me was I was working for this company called CTA 2014, my last corporate job. 
and we were on a project. So the cameras that are around Chicagoland area, mm -hmm. the CTA, they have cameras all over the city, but they weren't standardized. They weren't being monitored. Okay. Stuff, crime, stuff, and all that stuff was happening. So they brought me and my team in, this company I was consulting with, and we were like standardizing them, putting them, you know, on monitoring systems and so forth. And one day I went to lunch and everything was nice. Um, I came back, my boss, his boss and the security guard rushes out of the door. So before, so say you're walking in and you're about to grab the handle to a door and they rushed out before I can grab the handle to the door to enter the building. And I'm like, what's up? Is everything okay? I'm coming back from lunch. Things like Akila, you know, I'm sorry. My boss, he literally fired me with tears in his eyes. He was like, well, lay me off. He was like, hey, this is just how the CTA does it. Um, we can't allow you back into the building. Um, they misappropriate, we misappropriated the funds. So we have to lay some people off and, um, we're just leaving one person on the team to continue the project. And this is literally like two, three days before Thanksgiving. Like say it was that Monday and Thanksgiving was that Thursday. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm done. That's when it clicked for me. Um, I didn't have a plan, but I was like, something else has to happen. Mm -hmm. So I had my real estate. Um, I didn't even tell anyone that I was laid off. A lot of the times I didn't let my parents know because I was responsible for, well, I was responsible for my mother, mm -hmm. not my father, but I was responsible for my mother and my little sister and little brother. So I didn't want them to worry. So I would keep a lot of things to myself because a lot of people in my family, well, to my family, a lot of people in my family, they would panic. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, what are you going to do? Yeah. And so I kept it to myself. I will only let them know when I had a better situation. Okay. Like, oh yeah, I don't work for that company anymore. When did that happen? Mm -hmm. and my mom freaking out. Oh, that was six months ago. I now work for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you learn that? Because I think that's pretty strategic on your part from emotionally. Yeah. Um, for you to know that, you know, as children, we grow up to, sh some children learn up to sh grow up to share these kind of things. And when stuff happens, mommy, I need help, right? How, when did you learn that strategy of like being like, you know what, I'll just tell them when I figure out what I want to do? Well, I was the strong one. And to go back, what you probably need to understand is the psychology behind what made me who I am and my drive. So my parents were drug dealers, right? Uh, my mom used to be addicted to drugs. And from that, I was the protector. So there was no, um, I was never one to depend on anyone. I was the one that was being depended on. Mm -hmm. So me not running to my mother telling her that I was laid off, that just wasn't part of my character. I'm someone that takes what's happening to me and I make something happen from it. So I was used to not having anyone to consult with before I made decisions. And a lot of the times having a parent that when my father was in jail when I was young, he eventually got out, mm -hmm. uh, recovered himself and became a stand-up citizen. But prior to that, during the period up until the age of like 11, okay. 
my mom was addicted to drugs up until, well, for a short period of time, not the entire time. My mom was addicted maybe a few years to crack cocaine. And when I was 11, that's when she married my stepfather. But up until that time, that period, I can remember, I used to not have anyone to talk to. I was an only child. So I developed what I now know, a spiritual practice. I would talk to God because we wouldn't go to church on a, on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So when my friends in grade school, they were like going to church every weekend and on Wednesdays, you know, um, Bible study, all of that. We really didn't have um, religion, a structured religion, not even my grandmother, mm -hmm. not even in my family on my mom's side, period. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So what I now know is I developed a spiritual practice and I'm so grateful that that happened because I was a person that was able to develop a relationship with God and I didn't have language for it, but I would ask for things that my parents couldn't afford or that I desired and they would appear. I didn't have any language for it. Really, I was manifesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you were developing a connection with God, which is what makes me think about in this moment that the doors rush open, right? You're not able to go back into the building. You're, well, you were on a lunch break at the time? I was coming back from lunch and they stopped me and they said, what did you have upstairs? We'll grab your bag. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought something went wrong, like I was about to be arrested because they hit the security guard. He's like 6'5". Mm -hmm. That was the scariest moment of my life. But not even only that moment. It's been many, many moments in my life where I can literally pinpoint that experience and how it changed the trajectory of my life. Literally. And that was one of them. That was a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. This is unstable. Even though I had been laid off, three times before mm -hmm. prior to that time. Mm -hmm. Now this is my fourth layoff. I'm like, you think there's stability in working for someone. Actually, I can't depend on this. Something different has to happen. Mm -hmm. So um, something different did happen. I didn't know what, you know, at the time um, I'm laid off. I just was calm. I was calm. And that very same friend that I had met at the gym who I mentioned, um, from Kentucky, we went to lunch and she was just like, she was like the only person that knew I was, I was laid off. And my boyfriend at the time, I was like, yeah, uh, she was like, what's going on? I was like, girl, I got fired yesterday. And she was like, what? She was like, you're sitting there really calm for someone who just lost their job. And I was like, I know. She was like, so what are you going to do? And that's the reason why. I couldn't tell my mom because she's dependent on me financially mm -hmm. and other family members. So it's almost like, what are you going to do? It's like, I said, I just got a feeling God is just opening something up for me. You know, I, I, I just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And that was just it. It's funny because I was thinking the reason that I, I, not even reason, but as you're telling me you're, you're, you developed the practice, I'm thinking as she's like, you're pretty calm for a girl who just got fired. I'm like, I'm envisioning you that you had some form of like conversation with God, like, you know, things are going to be okay or whatever it is. And then for her to ask you, what are you going to do that? That might've been the only time you needed it to be asked for you to figure it out, take it up to God and, and have him figure it all out. Is yes. that how you would describe it? I 
didn't understand it at a time because I wasn't provided like a format on how to pray. Okay. And I still do this today. I just talk like, hey, you know, like this is going on, you know what's going on, like protect me or whatever. Like I'll just sit to myself and say that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get it. Like <laughs> I talk to God. Let's go. That's like that's what they say you're supposed to. And I say they yeah. say, but you know that yeah. I literally I don't I, I cried maybe a few times, mm-hmm. but I don't go to God like begging on a um, consistent basis or anything like that. Like I'll cry, and then my conversation is, I have incantations too. So uh, it depends on what I'm doing. Incantation is when, for instance, like one of my favorites um, that I've been using all year. I am open and receptive to all the good and abundance that the universe has to offer. And I'll just say it over and over again sometimes. Like when I'm feeling unsure or I'm feeling um, unconfident of a thing. And it just gives me some form of power that gives me the confidence to take my next best step forward. Yeah. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. I can't, I mean, literally, I can't have like said it any like any better any like differently just to understand that you just have regular conversations right and it's almost even good that you weren't raised traditionally uh, religiously right because then you would have had the structure of how you were supposed to go and ask for prayers and he's on the main line tell him what you want you know what I mean no you're developing a relationship and he's filling you with the confidence that you need to continue moving forward because that's what you need it's, it's, it's interesting how like we are all made to like need and require different things. You grew up very strong. You didn't necessarily like have that, you know, person to tell you what to do, that guidance, but you did. I felt lost. You did? That's the part I'm leaving out too. I felt once I got to my teenage years, mm. I felt lost. So I had no one to, I didn't have a parent to go to. So I went to God. And that's where that it just reinforced that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I can remember just feeling like, what do I do? I was an only kid. I was an only child. Uh, my parents weren't available. So it's like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So I was sitting and talking to him at night. What do you want, Akila? For instance, um, I need coats. I need boots. I wish I can get one of the cool coats or cool jackets. Cause you know, I, I grew up poor. Mm. Grew up poor when my mom was addicted to crack. Mm-hmm. We grew up in the house with my granny with her five other sisters and their children. And all of them were addicted to crack. I would literally have sleep for dinner some days, right? So um, I can remember those days and I would want the cool coat or the cool shoes or something like that. And sometimes I would really desire these things and someone would buy them for me. And I used to be like, I know God did this. Please don't ask me where I knew or who I, how I knew God. Like my mom would talk about him mm-hmm. and we would pray, 
but it wasn't structured like how you would do if you were a Christian mm -hmm. or if you were a Jehovah Witness or you know um, she just used to say the serenity prayer mm -hmm. so yes. yeah I, that is where I used to get my you know this daily bread you know mm -hmm. and we would do that every now and again mm -hmm. and so I continued that but it turned into conversations and um, I would manifest and things a bike I remember desiring a bike mm -hmm. someone would just magically buy me one yeah so in this moment, she says, what you gonna do? You said, I don't know, but I feel like everything's gonna be okay. What was the, like, what was the first Hail Mary that got you through that first, that, or that next shift? Cause you decided at that moment, I'm not going back to another job. So what was the first thing to carry you? Went to, uh, so at this time, I do have a condo. I'm living in South Loop. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, I was gonna get my first condo in South Loop six, seven years prior. Oh, I ended now up moving you, into South Loop, right? How much was the valuation at that point now? Um, it, it, the market is great now, right? Okay. So the market is great. Mm -hmm. um, we're not in, a, in anything abnormal. Um, everything balanced out. It was okay. a great time to buy, you know. Nice. Perfect. And guess what? That condo still wasn't $400,000 six, seven years later. That's what I'm saying. Never bounced back. It never bounced back. Yeah. It wasn't the same condo, but it was the same community. Right. Same layout. Mm -hmm. So if it were worth 400K back then, it should be worth 600K now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And guess what? It was so much better. I had like a corner unit, top 20th floor, you understand? And beautiful. I got sunrises and sunsets overlooking the lakefront in South Loop, 18th, right on the corner. Um, went to lunch with a girl who lived in my condo building um she was cuban and she used to be back and forth from florida a lot um didn't know why she used to be in and out of town a lot but we used to go to oh so core power yoga mm -hmm. i'm working there now and okay. i teach a class there now and so this is where we kind of oh you do core power yeah i do core power yes and so we would go to the gym together when she would be in town the very next day after my friend was like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. I just feel like something is about to happen. I can't explain it. I just instinctively felt it. We go work out. We go have lunch. We're sitting there and she's like, so what's going on? I was like, Girl, just two, three days ago, I just lost my job. And she was like, you have other real estate, right? And I'm like, yeah. She was like, why don't you put your condo on Airbnb? Oh. And I'm like, What's Airbnb? And mind you, this is 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. No one really knows what Airbnb is. I'm like, what is Airbnb? So she gets to explaining and I'm like, wow, so other people come in and they stay in your, your, your place? She's like, yeah, but you just make it a professional thing. She's like, I have 22. 22 units? Yeah. Mm. She's like, I have 22 units. And she's like, I have a bunch of them in South Beach, Florida. Oh, she was cleaning house, girl. She had ski lodges. Girl, it, it was everything, right? Let's go. I was like, I never knew what you did. I knew you were in real estate, but I didn't fully understand. So it's this, this thing. She was like, trust me, you're gonna be so happy they fired you. She said, you got the best condo in the building. She said, you got the penthouse. She said, you about to make a killing. She was like, meet me tomorrow. I'm gonna show you my back end. 
before you say no, because it may sound weird, but I need you to see the possibility of income you can get. Yes. Perfect. She was my mentor, a free mentor. Whew. Literally. Literally. Like, and I just had a conversation with someone like, uh, like the way mentorship has evolved. Literally. Mm -hmm. She is probably better than some of the mentors that's out here right now. She was in the game. She used to go to the conferences. They had her name. Airbnb had her name in lights. Could you imagine how much money she could have really made? I don't think she was aware, right? She used to have like awards and shirts and accolades from Airbnb. She was killing it. Wow. She had ski lodges. I didn't even know they had awards. Yes. So at this point, were you, um, I was wondering even back then, um, it was something I was wondering earlier about your, you having two condos, but I can't even remember what it was. No, I didn't have two condos. I had, I'd never got that first condo, remember? Right. I canceled the contract. So, so that was my first one. Mm. Yeah. And, and so I ended up moving into my rental property and I rented that bad boy out. This is where entrepreneurship really hit me very, very differently. I made $84,000 in my account at a short period of time in my eyes with least, with not a lot of work. It was, it was, it blew my mind. How much were you making in corporate? I was making, um, US Cellular. Oh, so. I, I'm, I need to think back to what I was making prior to um, the Airbnb. I think they were paying me when I was a consultant like $35 an hour. Okay. No is, benefits, yeah. anything like that. Because I was, was a I was a contractor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that contract was like $35 an hour. Mm -hmm. um, and it was with the transit service, CTA. And um, still, the units that I have, the building, like it's just there to sustain itself. Yeah. I still needed an income and God showed up for me. Right. I was just like, Hey, whatever this is, um, show up. What do I do? What is, and a common question I ask God, what is my next best step forward? Yeah. In this moment though, what was the feeling of like, okay, I made $84,000 in my bank account. Like, what were you thinking in your mind? Were you like, like you said, okay, God, show me what's next. But were you excited? Were you thinking, okay, I'm going to be good. What were you thinking in that moment? How do I duplicate this? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. How do I get more of these? She was like, yeah, just get a second one. She gave me like her connections. And then I got a second one in a building literally across the street. Now, mind you, our properties, my, my condo in the second apartment, I, this is lease arbitrage, but I didn't have a name for it. So now my second one, I don't own, I'm renting it and I'm releasing it. Mm -hmm. um, she put me up on the whole thing. So um, gave me the connection, everything. And mind you, it's literally, if anyone knows the McCormick place, in Chicago, one of our biggest convention centers, dead smack in the center of downtown, mm -hmm. made a killing. Oh, wow. Made a killing. Mm -hmm. Do you hear me? Mm -hmm. Made a killing. 300, sometimes 400, $500 a night. Made a killing. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm doing the cleaning myself. See, this is where it got kind of like, 
I need some help. Okay. So I was doing the cleaning myself on the first one. And then the second one, I, I hired help. Um, a good friend of mine, we're still good friends today, an ex-boyfriend. He, my first hired help was his cleaner. I was like, I need help. I need a cleaner. He was yeah. like, yeah, I told you to stop doing all that stuff yourself. And he was like, Maria, do it for you. She started working for me, cleaning my units, right? Now, now life is good. Now I'm just collecting checks. Let's go. Right? So Maria is like managing the units, the cleaning, everything, right? Still, I didn't know how to get more and scale it. And that's when I ran into this guy um, through, oh, at this point I had joined a real estate community, okay. right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to stop saying names because I don't know if these people want me to sh shoot them out. I may say something <laughs> negative. Oh, no. <laughs> so to clarify, when you, are, when you say real estate, um, you never went to like the traditional license. And I am licensed now. Now you are. Mm -hmm. But before you were kind of just learning through like the valuation of these homes, Airbnb, figuring out like, like just what's the worth? How much can I get on the rent? That kind of stuff. And well, I became a landlord and didn't fully understand the industry. I just mm -hmm. became a landlord. Okay. Um, right. Um, at this point, I'm a landlord for a good five years. And then I go into this mentorship. Oh, because I skipped a little bit. Because when I was laid off the first time, I was like, you know what? I wonder how I can be an investor. You know, how could I, you know, because the first deal was so great. I'm getting profits and, you know, it's just great money, right? So mm -hmm. I'm like, how do I do this again? Mm -hmm. Come to find out, um, you can't keep using bank money. That's when my father introduced me to this guy who was a big time fix and flipper okay. and uh, buy and hold guy. And he was part of this big, larger community. I can't say them because I'm still family. Carl Renatas. So they're national. Paid 20K for that mentorship. And it was the best investment I could have ever made. Mm. Um, they taught me LLCs. They taught me estate planning. They taught me anything that you can think about, about business, building wealth, all sorts of strategies, fix and flip, the burr, yeah. um, all of that. But Airbnb wasn't in there. Mm. So it came later. And all these investors, I didn't understand the opportunity I had at the time. So I started out with the two. I met someone in this community who was doing Airbnb. So I was like, oh my God, like you're, you're who I need. I have two. He was like, well, what do you mean? I showed him my numbers. He was like, oh my God, y'all making that in Chicago? He was like, we only get 117 a night. I said, yeah, I'm getting 380 a night. Right? Like, let's go. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm downtown. Mm -hmm. I was like, I need more of these things. Get into his mentorship. Um, this is who I did not listen to. I went rogue. <laughs> I went bunkers. I got his strategy and his blueprint and his script. Literally, the next day, was offered 12 units, like literally, just from a script he gave me. Okay. And you said you went rogue and I, you didn't listen to him? I did not listen to them. So I didn't do it in the fashion he told me to. Okay. And when I say I went rogue. And don't ask me why I paid 20K for a mentorship, but did not want to pay $2,000 for his. Mm. And my boyfriend at the time was a big real estate guy. He was like, Akila, get the mentorship. Akila, you said you want to scale this thing. This is your guy. 
get the mentorship. And I'm like, nah, I'm not. And I'm sitting there with the laptop and he just put his, his credit card in there and paid for the mentorship. Logged into his course, he gave us this script. I was like, you know what? I'm about to test it out at the apartment building. Now, mind you, I'm living in River North. I, I'm now, um, my condo that I own is being rented because that's my cash cow, mm -hmm. right? With the amazing view. So I'm now renting another apartment, right? I'm living downtown too. So he puts his credit card in there and I say, you know what? Let's try the building across the street, high rise building. I said, let's give him a call. So he's have this software because he was a real estate dude. He looks their phone number up and the software he had, I can't even think of the name of it right now. It, I know what it is, but I just can't think of the name of it right now. But it has all the owners, not the leasing office. Oh. We literally called the owners. Off. That was my hack. That's like a. I used to call the actual owner's office and their um, assistants. And I used to go over the property manager's head mm -hmm. and some of them weren't happy with me. Mm. So I ran into issues in one of my buildings gotcha. because of that. But that's a whole well, other story. Okay, what are they tell you, telling you or something? Well, he just wasn't happy. He used mm -hmm. to try to give me a hard time because I was approved above him. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, this girl, we gave her four units. She's gonna take apartments. Da, 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 da. He would lock my guest out. It, it was crazy. Did they know you were doing Airbnb? Absolutely. Because gotcha. that's how I was trained. So mm -hmm. we would go and so we would go straight over the head. Like I could not do anything that was sneaking around. Because mm -hmm. we were putting, I was theming out these apartments. We were putting like real big money into these apartments. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to kill it. So you need to know what I'm doing and we need to be on board. You know, and then I had a business. Everything was legitimized. I did listen to what he said up until a point, but the, the most important thing I did not listen to. He told me to build business credit. He told me to put these units into my company's name, corporate leases. I didn't do that because they would push back and tell me no. And I was like, you know, I just put it in my name. Got it when I should have moved on. Mm -hmm. He said, if they're not willing to do that, someone else will okay. just move on. I was thinking about the money. I was just thinking about, like I was speaking to you earlier, when we go into business, we think about how much is it going to cost to rent this unit and how much profit am I going to get? That was the only thing was on my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I neglected all the other parts and just felt like, well, I can have these, three units um, and I could get a corporate lease on my next one. Mm -hmm. I'll do it later. So by the time you, at the highest of your um, Airbnb career, how many did you have? I had 14 units. 14 units? I, had, I started to expand in California. Mm -hmm. I started out with two units in California. It was offered 20 units in California. You didn't take it? And the, it was right before the pandemic, girl. And thank God I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, I don't think I was ready. Because it was what I had going on was unstable. It just, it just was a matter of a time. I didn't have my bookkeeping together. I was all over the place. I just was collecting checks. I was unfocused. I was traveling. Um, I had set up an automation through what I got from my mentor. Mm -hmm. I had like an artificial intelligence system set up. So if you nice. text me the Airbnb people and ask a question, 
the AI would respond. Dope. You never got me on the phone. Um, I was literally just living like you living in a lot kind of like you got you're getting paid to be super unaware now like yeah like you're not even being forced to like sit down and focus anymore it was me just it had to happen mm -hmm. in order for me to grow to my personal best mm -hmm. um that had to crash and i'm so happy it did because i'm someone that knows how to make money i did not know how to keep it yeah. Now I'm in the next phase of my life where I'm learning the strategies to keep it, not only keep it, but to also grow it. That's how I got into the financial literacy space. Mm -hmm. So now I am my own avatar. Business owners who go into business without a, a solid financial and economic plan for themselves or for their business. Mm -hmm. Right. That's extremely important. Yeah. Because what could have happened, what ended up happening, I'm at the height of my, you know, thing, you know, I got other, I mean, other like real estate people coming to me, wanting to partner with me. Like, girl, you need to, let's partner, like I'll back you with the money mm -hmm. and you and me can go 50-50 and this, that, and that, you know, they're ready to go because they see right. my success. Um, it really started crashing down when I decided to scale from two units to 12. Okay. So I accepted. Still in Chicago, everything's in Chicago. It, my first scaling moment when I decided to scale was in California. Okay. Right, because mm -hmm. one of my properties that I was at, they had a sister company in California. So they like, hey, we got a new building going up in Orange County, you know, do you want some of those? I'm like, yeah, they was like, how many you want? So I was like, you know what, give me four. I only got two. I'm confident, I'm cocky at this point, right? Um, I didn't take the four, because my boyfriend at the time was like, Akilah, get one. Okay. He slowed me down. Mm -hmm. Get one, see if you even want to be there. Then get the other one. And then, so he sort of staggered me out, right? So I got the one, and not listening to him or my mentor, I went on ahead, like, I didn't wait four months or six months like they told me to. Uh, maybe like the month or two later, I went on and got the second one, right? Got it. Um, that complex had a building going up. That's how I made the connection and they offered me the 20 units in the artist district in LA. Okay. But I was in Orange County. I had two units in Orange County. So I scaled those two come back to Chicago. I'm like, now I have four, right? Get four units, not listening to anyone. Didn't even understand what it actually meant to scale, right? Mm -hmm. Like what entrepreneur experience do I have at this point? None, mm -hmm. I've done, I have not done any development like what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, how's the proper way to scale? What are you doing? Um, what's, yeah, I had a business plan, but I didn't have a financial plan or an economic plan. It was a business plan for Airbnb? Yes. Got it. My ex at the time, <laughs> he's like, get a business plan, you know. Um, got so where one. did you see yourself taking Airbnb long term? A hundred units. You wanted to take it to a hundred units? Arbitrage, and it was very, very possible. 
Got it. So yeah, well, so did girl. you want to be like heavy in hospitality or? Yes. Got it. I wanted to be heavy in hospitality, build it up to a hundred units and then eventually sell the entire portfolio. Okay. That was my plan to another investor. Mm -hmm. it, the only thing was you hadn't started necessarily like putting all the, the LLCs and things in place. Oh yes, absolutely. The LLC was in place. Okay. So, um, yes. So I knew business and I knew what to do. I just didn't implement all of it. I got it. Um, mm -hmm. The parts, yeah, so the LLC and to protect myself, um, that way, because remember I was in real estate. Mm -hmm. So the protection when it comes to real estate and the protection piece, absolutely, 100%. I could not move forward without that part. And that's so weird to me when um, I now see entrepreneurs who don't have that piece in place or they don't even understand that piece, right? Um, and another shocking thing, well not shocking because I am my own avatar, is not having that financial piece in place. Yeah. That is not the way to be. Yeah. Um, but unbeknownst to me, I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said it all came crashing down, you know, I was just reading a, um, have you read Will? By Will Smith? No, I have not. It's on my book show. It's a good one, girl. I know it is. That's <laughs> my guy. He talks about rock bottom. And a lot of people don't necessarily like speak about what their rock bottom was even like, right? But when you say it got all came crashing down, you know, you started you had four, 14 at the height of your Airbnb career. Yes. And you wanted a hundred, right? So you're a nice little way almost there. What did it feel like when um you say that it came crashing down? Was that like your rock bottom? The beginning of the demise for me happened when, so now I have four units and I just kept adding four, four, four to these three different buildings, mm -hmm. right? I was going to different buildings. They were saying yes. Mm -hmm. And I was like accepting. And now I have all these units and I hit a four month drought. Nobody was booking. That this was before Corona? That had never happened. It was be right before Corona. Wow. That had never happened. In my units that were in Chicago, like literally like over half of my units were not booking out. I thought it was just me at the time, but me being a part of this community, I reached out to some of the others. It was like, no, mm -hmm. us too. We're experiencing these people all in the suburbs, even though I'm dead smack downtown Chicago. What was going on? come to find out this big company called Saunders had come in and speaking to other people around the, the country they were like yeah Saunders is eating up a lot of the smaller people's inventory they were building like these big hundred unit um, beautiful properties mm -hmm. and buildings all over they went to New Orleans they came to Atlanta Chicago all the major uh, markets mm -hmm. and they were sucking they were closing shutting us down so they were like um uh flooding the market with a bunch of airbnbs that were Beautiful lower than yours airbnbs yeah mm. um like that was a little cheaper like 180 something instead of 280 something they were beautiful right like like how you see this um piano here and just beautiful art and mm. parking was included. You know, wow. All these amenities. And mm -hmm. it was that, that kind of like did it for me, right? Okay. So at the same time, my dad was, when they say it rains, it pours, right? Um, my dad was dying. My very best friend at the time, he was dying of cancer. And um, 
it, it just got really bad. I went from making thousands in a day to zero dollars with trinkles of sprinkles of um, um, gas yeah. every now and again. Then the pandemic hit and it was over. Like it was literally over. I would get a guess like maybe three or four apartments would be booked out. No, I take that back. I had some, I had maybe four apartments that were strictly corporate rentals. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. so, so was that sustainable because it was corporate travel? Somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think two of the contracts had to end abruptly due to what was happening, but the other two, they ended up staying their term. Um, and it was grounded. Then Chicago just grounded and then California grounded. Mm -hmm. No short-term rentals. So the units I had in Cali shut down, but I was able to dump the ones in California off to another investor. He was like, I'll take it. I'm gonna wait this thing out because okay. this is a cash cow. He took it. Mm -hmm. Furniture, everything, inventory, everything. I was able to sell it to him, right? Yeah. Um, Sold a lot of my furniture. That was a, a good thing, girl. I put that thing on marketplace. I had beautiful furniture, right? Girl, you should have seen those people. It it it, it never messed it up. For a day I had trucks. Yeah. People were there. They took every piece. Yeah. The art, the vases, you know, the vases, everything, girl. And yeah. Yeah, so that was the first time in my life I ever experienced. Now you see my life. I was pretty financially great. Yeah. Right? Even being able to sell all your products, I'm thinking that there's very little hurt pain. Um, no. Oh. I suffered. Mm. I it had gotten so bad for me before I sold. It had gotten so bad for me that and I don't know who this is going to free. Like I never really told this story, but it had got, I was literally living hand to mouth. So it had gotten so bad for me. I couldn't pay my rent. Thank God the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. I went nine months without paying my rent. Not because it was the pandemic. It was literally, I could not afford it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was literally that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it had gotten so bad. I had to get a car to drive Uber. And I was literally going out to do Uber that day so I can eat that day. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how bad it had gotten. Um, my father died. Um, I broke up. Everything just went bad. Um, my relationship ended. Um, it was a friend called it. I have this friend. He's very spiritual. He was like, you're this is alchemy. So you're melting down. So everything can rebuild anew. Mm. He said, don't be afraid. He said, all of this stuff is moving out of the way because something new, bigger and better. You're designed for something greater. At the time, I didn't feel like that. Yeah. You know how I was sitting there confident at the first time, like, oh, God, I got something coming for me. Um, I'm waiting. That's because I got $60,000 in there. Right. You're impressed. <laughs> now you sitting Now I'm not pressed, right? Yeah. Something to come up. Mm-hmm. Something different happens. And I never used to understand, like, when you see people on other podcasts or whatever saying, I'm so happy that happened to me. I'm like, how could you say that? You were homeless, dude. Like, what do you mean? What I now know is I was introduced to my other side. 
I was introduced to my other self. Yes. I've never in my life committed. You see how I live my life? Mm -hmm. Carefree. Mm -hmm. Things were given to me. Ex-boyfriends, my boyfriend, my father. People would give me things and make things easy for me. Mm -hmm. So I never really like struggled. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And you know, every life is good. You know, I got money in the bank. To be in a place and you're not 100% sure where your next meal is going to come from yeah. and the person who you would run to is not alive anymore and you don't have anyone to soften the blow because you're the one that everyone depends on, yeah. that's, that, that, is, that is different. Shows you a whole different side of you. Creativity came. Mm. my ferocity and um, my way of being things change the way that I think mm -hmm. the way that I operate mm -hmm. um, I started making plans for myself I started um, I had aspired to become a millionaire for the first time in my life you didn't have aspirations before then I had aspirations but the impact that I wanted to have I would say it, but I wouldn't take action on okay. it. I would say I want these things, but I, I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost like it's imperative. Now it's almost like, um, how could you not? You came out of this. It has to be a reason. You're designed for something greater. Your impact is, is this. Ha and I'm a firm believer in everything happens as it should. Everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't go through all of that for nothing. And then I ended up in Atlanta. The plan that I thought I had for myself, totally 100% different. Rental business, and we would go from there. That didn't happen. I'm totally, I feel like I'm being, I'm stepping into my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling like um, I cannot not do it. So all these things that I'm afraid of, getting on live and all of that. It's stemming from a deeper purpose now. I have a deeper purpose. I'm now living life on purpose and I'm now looking to have impact, not just money. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to me. This is the reason I'm glad that happened to me because I'm now focused on something deeper yeah. than ever before. Yes. You mentioned the friend of yours who said this is alchemy and I really love, I, I haven't heard it broken down in practical living um, examples, but I think that's a really dope way to break down how life melts, right? How you melt, melt down the lead and then you turn it into gold. Absolutely, it, it makes a lot of sense. And then for you to come strategically just to like think about the play, Atlanta is of course made of many of your avatar, many of you who are 14 Airbnb in, maybe not one of them is already backed by um, their business. Business credit might be non-existent, right? And so the help that you particularly know, you know the life, you know what the, the crash looks like and you really know how to help. So just me seeing the purpose being extrapolated, just this one step, because Lord knows I don't know all the purpose, but I, I can see it. I can absolutely see how people need you to share that. 100%. I, I was also thinking you have a spiritual friend who said that to you, which can be really grounding. Um, but before all of this started, you were at Core Power. When you found yoga, was that a spiritual um, practice that you started or was your spiritual practice with like talking to God one thing and then yoga a completely different practice? 
here's what's what's what was brought to my attention like um so i was overweight at one point like for a short period of time um i had started i had started many businesses right before i got to where i am now i won't say many but this was one that i had started i had a um, boutique for a short period of time mm -hmm. and um that was actually my first business is it yeah yeah it is um and we would do these sip and seas and cupcakes and um i neglected to tell you my friend from kentucky was a sous chef and mm. she was used to do these beautiful desserts and she had this long lineage of people who had like girl she had like this recipe of a chocolate pecan cake or i mean chocolate pecan pie mm. from a hundred years ago from her great great grandmother right so I'm a fat girl at the time. I'm eating cakes, girl. She's stuffing me down with muffins or whatever, right? You know, it's going down. She from Kentucky. They cooking this thing from scratch. So of course that's my besties, right? <laughs> what you gonna do, girl? I don't know. You gotta um, what, a piece snack. of that carrot cake. <laughs> you got some of that carrot cake in there and put some vanilla ice cream on top of that thing, right? So um, I had gained weight. I've always been athletic all my life. I was a cheerleader in high school. I was part, I was a dancing dog. I was, you know, I used, I always had a fitness regimen. Um, Cause my mom actually was the first person who introduced me to yoga when I was a kid. Oh, nice. Like she would have us do yoga and we thought she was weird. Mm. <laughs> she would be oming. Are you familiar with oming? Yes. Okay. I wish I would though, because honestly, truly, I think oh you're, my God. that is the next level. Oh you, my God. <laughs> what? Thank you. So my cousin was like, your mom is strange. She's crazy. Like, what is that Omi? Like, she would have us Omi. We'd be looking at each other. Like, <laughs> you know, and so um, I ended up gaining weight. I was 204 pounds to be exact, right? So I used to run with this clique of skinny girls, right? And we would all go to the gym, you know? I got to the point we would work out from like 9 a.m. We would double up classes and all this. This is the culture, right? LA Fitness Click. Mm -hmm. And who was leading the pack was a, an instructor. This this woman named Sho. Oh my gosh, she was crazy, but she was the she would get results. Like she was yelling your face. Like I think she should have had a reality show. During yoga? No, this isn't yoga yet. Just I'm, classes. I'm trying to bring you up mm -hmm. to the point how I got to yoga. Mm -hmm. So I gained weight. So now I'm hiding from the girls. So instead of me coming to the gym at 9 and 10 a.m., I'm coming at noon, I'm coming at 1. One day they caught me. And they were like, oh my God, this story is funny every time I, I tell it. So show the pack leader who was the instructor, we all used to take her classes, her boot camp classes and such. And she would see me and she was like, what's going on? Like, I, I go from 140 to 204. I was like, you know, I got this business. Like, she was like, okay, I'm waiting on you. When you're ready, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now she's with the click. I don't know why they were there till one o'clock, Ariel. Please don't ask me that. Girl, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm on the treadmill and I see them, right? I'm trying to get off the treadmill. Akila, Akila. One of the girls, I'm like, 
oh hey, I was trying, you know how you see someone, you're trying to act like you don't see them. Girl, my heart is beating. So it's like, hey, how you're going? Yeah, we just took, you know, Glenda's class and you know, how skinny and fit, right? So we're walking, where are you, you leaving? I'm like, yeah. So we're walking to the locker room. They literally have me in the locker room in a circle, in a circle, girl. So everyone's like, so now the pack leader, the psycho trainer show, she's like, hey, I told you I would give you some time. Mm. It's time. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, run team starts Monday, seven o'clock. That's it. I was like, I'm not running a marathon. She was like, you're going to be there Monday at 7 p.m. And then another girl. So now I'm the fat girl in the middle of the circle. So they're yelling out things that I can do. Cause first they asked me what's going on. I'm like, you know, like I started this business, you know, all the excuses, right? And I've been eating cupcakes and you know, you know, I'm gonna get it together. And then one girl was like, hey, I'm going over to Core Power Yoga. They give you a week free. Girl, this was a setup. I get into that hot class with weights and it, there was no clock on the wall. Mm -mm. And she took me to the advanced class. So we get there Ooh. and it's a line around a building. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what's going on? She was like, oh, she's just popular. Don't worry about it. She already has our mat down. You know, we're, we're good. We just gonna walk in and walk past the things. So I'm like, okay. Kendra, we became good friends. She was the only black instructor at Core Power. She was like the queen because um, I don't know about your experience, but like it's a lot of Caucasian people, especially mm -hmm. at the time that mm -hmm. was into yoga. Yes. We get there. Kendra is a dancer by trade. She's been a dancer since she was two or three years old. So everything is 10, nine, eight, seven. It was all upbeat. Mm. I'm like, how did I get to this space? No clock on the wall. So it wasn't a spiritual thing. It was a fitness thing at first. I tell you that long answer. Then I lost weight so fast. So I'm on the run team and I'm doing scopes, like mm -hmm. fitness. It turns into a spiritual thing when I decided to become a yoga instructor. Mm. And I had practiced so much yoga and we had did like so many rituals and practices and we, we dug deep into the psychology and the practice and the history of yoga. Then during um, the period of me being laid off, they had a managing position and they were like, hey, do you want to manage? I was like, sure, I'm not doing anything else. Mm. And that's when I really got into yoga. And then I, quite naturally, all these spiritual people, people would come in and read me, make me cry. Like, hey, are you going through this, that, and that? I sense that. Now I'm, I'm in this community yeah. with these people. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got and made it like more so a spiritual practice than not. I just got the chills. That's that's beautiful because you're in there like just finding it in your fitness, um, your fitness journey. And then all these people who are like extremely spiritually attuned are finding you and you're getting all of that, all of that, which yeah. is dope. This is before. It sounds like this is before the Airbnb surge. It was because that's how I met actually even though she lived in my condo building she actually didn't live in my condo building she had two airbnb right your that's mentor what, the one who ended up mentoring me mm -hmm. that's why she was in and out of town really she lived in miami but she would just come to chicago and stay in her own place every now and again but at the time i didn't understand it and i met her at the local 
core power. power. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how I met her. And then she was like, where you live? And I was like, this. she was like, I, I got a place in there. And you know. The rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> that's dope. Okay, got you. That's really dope. Honestly, I think I started my yoga journey for fitness purposes as well. Um, and it was a white girl who taught it. And I really love the way Core Power teaches because it's like super duper technical. I, I think I started a beginner's class by myself. It was something to do. I lived in Minneapolis. So I'm just like. That's oh. where I started. Really? In Minneapolis? in Minneapolis? Oh, that's where it started. Yeah, that was the first studios. Is that right? Yeah. They are. Trevor, I, really, I love he it. He was the, um, the, the, which one? The CEO and the, the founder of mm. Core Power. How long has Core Power been around? Because that started in 2013. I want to say somewhere around there, a little earlier. Mm. Just a little earlier. That's amazing. Right? Yeah. And that two-week free save, like, literally got you in the door. I know you talk about that all the time. You're like, two weeks, y'all. No, one week. Your first week but is free. But if you think about it, what just dawned on me, it was really environment. Right? Because mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do it on my own. If you really listen to what happened, I was hiding from the people who kept me healthy. I hid away from them. Mm -hmm. But when I was part of that clique, I was healthy and happy. Now I'm hanging out with the baker. That was my friend. Mm -hmm. And she could feed your coping mechanism all day. Girl, you make some of those muffins and hiding from what will actually keep you healthy. And if you think about it, as humans, we kind of do that. Like, look at what I was trying to do. I come into an environment like where we met and I'm running away from what comes natural to me. Mm. That's crazy. I'm forcing myself to do something because I was too afraid to get in front of a camera. Yeah. That's number one. Mm -hmm. I was too afraid to sell and tell people my offerings. So I'm like, you know what? Let me fit myself in this box. Let me not go and follow the path of my innate ability and mm. gifts. Let me go do something I never thought I actually ever wanted to do in my life. Oh, let me do home health care. Your fears, which is dawned on me talking to you, your fears can keep you off your square your entire life. And you never, ever, girl, I'm feeling it like literally in my gut, like you'll never, ever be free. If I didn't have the morning meetup in some of these other environments that I sat myself in or strategically placed my, inserted myself in, I would not be closer to what I now know is my purpose. Yes. I will be off running a home health care business. I'm a high D on the disc assessment. I'm a high D and a high I. That is for an S and a C. Think about that. Mm. You would have sent yourself down a completely different path. So now can you just talk a little bit about like because that's another pattern. Like you, you made the connection, right? Going back to when you were hiding from your homegirls, the healthy space, right? To being all the way in the morning meetup. As you're thinking about this epiphany and as you're thinking about what you were running away from and even not doing the health, the home healthcare business, what are you now realizing? Actually, I am doing the home healthcare business. You're gonna do it and, and I got my license two days ago. It's done, so no, it's the, like you already done The home healthcare business was in play. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you put yourself down a path, but at the same time, you're realizing that you, you need to be somewhere else. So what is it that you're realizing in this moment now that you're, you're among us and now that people are pulling, again, pulling things out of you like, hey, you need to show yourself communication is something that you're good at. Like, what is it now that you're realizing is truly 
what's going to be your purpose moving forward? Are you not, not just your purpose, but you living out your purpose? Make sure that I'm always around someone that's hungrier than I am. Mm. Make sure that I'm consistent. Consistency and environment has been key, right? Has been key. Another thing, go towards your fears. Go towards your fears. And that's actually been a practice of mine. Last year, December 14th, I wanted to go live every day because I felt the fear, like immense fear. I was afraid. And I say, you know what? I'm going live. I text someone in the group like, hey, who wants to go live with me? I'm going to start a book club. And I had like six people respond. Only one girl stayed with me. Literally, she was stuttering in front of the camera when we first did it. Mm. Now she's speaking better. She joined the Speakers Academy. She was like, Akila, this is the best thing could ever happen to me. It's freeing when you go towards your fears. So go towards your fears. Be around people. The environment, the environment is so key. I knew it to be true, but I didn't consciously understand it to be true. Mm -hmm. And then see, as humans, we want to feel good. We want to do what feels comfortable. I don't want to get in front of a camera and stretch myself, but it was the best decision I could have ever made. Mm -hmm. Even, 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 even leaving Chicago, I came to Atlanta in April of 2020. We didn't know what this thing was. That was extremely bold. One thing about me, I am bold. I'm not going to sit here and act like that. I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, I do, because I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So some form of confidence has, and self-belief has to come from that, right? Um, in order to survive. Um, but I could look back at that and say, that I think that was one of the most courageous things I've ever done because at the time when I moved here, we fully didn't even understand what Corona was. Yeah. And I just had to make the move mm -hmm. once again because mm -hmm. I didn't want my family to be worried. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, mentorship a lot. And I think that you're speaking into someone right now, like your, your journey, your story, your, your epiphanies in this moment. They're speaking to someone right now. Yeah. And so before we get out of here, I'm thinking of, you know, the girl who was in her early 20s in her first corporate job, you know, kind of just kind of living. And not to say that this would at any this would be to any um, effect change your trajectory. But mentorship is a big thing that you learned later on in your life. What would you say to that young 20 or in their in their 20s um, corporate professional, right, who doesn't necessarily feel like they have options, right? They feel like they have to kind of just deal with it and they don't get rewarded with a layoff. What is that thing that you would tell that person so that they can move forward in their purpose? Looking to transition into entrepreneurship or just in their purpose period? In their purpose period. Because that can be entrepreneurship, it could be whatever. I would say develop a spiritual practice. Like a spiritual practice and develop a morning ritual. I would say like if you don't have one and you don't know what that is, um, a good book I would say is The Miracle Morning. I love it. That would be a start in meditation. Ground your thoughts. Ground your thoughts. Um, and find silence. That's the only way you're going to tune in. Because if you look at my life, 
you never heard any part of my story where I went out and I seek an answer. It always came from within. Mm -hmm. Internal referencing mm -hmm. is huge. External referencing is I'm having this problem and I'm going to call 10 people and ask them to help to resolve it for me. Internal referencing is my practice to God. What is my next best step forward? Hmm, that feels good. I received that one and we just talked about this. So I, I shoot. I loved it So yeah, hopefully you guys picked up what she was putting down. If you didn't you can always replay this episode <laughs> yes. And take some notes, right? <laughs> and yes. so as we are moving into like, you know This new season of your life and you being able to help other people who were in your shoes financially who need that financial planning and for those who are listening and watching watching <laughs> And they need to connect with you, whether they want to work with you or just stay connected to your journey. What are you offering right now that will really help them in their journey? And how can they connect with you? So for me, guys, um, my whole path, my whole purpose is to make sure that people don't end up like me because you don't know what you don't know. Develop a financial plan for yourself personally and for your business, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is risky. Entrepreneurship is risky. Nothing is guaranteed. Just like for me and for millions of others out there, it works until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So start to establish and build business credit if you're an entrepreneur. Start to work on your personal credit if you're just a regular person, a W-2 worker. I personally believe everyone should have an LLC. Even if you are an entrepreneur, get an LLC, get a side hustle, take advantage of some of the things that can help level you up economically, financially, because that's the only thing that really matters. At the end of the day, you need to make sure that you have the funding set aside because by the time you need the money, it's too late. Mm -hmm. The bank does not loan money when you're in trouble. So the only time I was able to get monies is when I had that A15 credit score, right? Mm -hmm. Once I started owing all these people and I was bankrupt, when I really needed the money, no, you're not fundable. So get into the habit and get on the path of building up your credit, building up your financial future, get a plan. That, that is what I would say and also, you can find me at Mrs. Cash Flows on IG. Also, um, I have like some freebies and stuff like that. Just click on my um, link, come to my page, hit me up, ask any questions that you like. I'm always happy to help because I am my own avatar. Absolutely. And they need anything that you can offer. Well, you guys, you heard it. You know exactly where to find her. And can I just say, I love Miss Cash Flows. I don't know if you made it up because you, you know, yoga flows and cash. But if you didn't, I caught it. <laughs> it came from actually my short term rentals. So my ex used to call himself Mr. Cash Flows, ah. and I took Mrs. Cash Flows. That works. And then, um, oh, another thing before we get out, I do have a business building accelerated program that I do offer. Hit me up for a consultation for that. That would be the easiest way. It's a done with you program. I'm telling you, it would change your life. 
hit me up like seriously you thank you for having me ariel like thank this has been here. such a joy you are amazing yeah. you are a wealth of experience a wealth of knowledge and i feel the vibrations like 100 percent. so you guys heard the lady <laughs> if you heard or saw what we are talking about today and you need some help then you go ahead and reach out to miss akila shabazz um at mrs mrs cash flows <laughs> and um just do what you gotta do so i'll see you until next week Peace out. Bye.